Broadcasting live from the North Fulton Business Radio X studio, it's time for To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. To Your Health is brought to you by Morrow Family Medicine, an award-winning primary care practice, which brings the care back to health care. Hello and welcome to To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. That is me and I am with what is now Village Medical, uh, formerly Morrow Family Medicine in Milton and Cumming, Georgia. And I'm excited that you would take a few minutes to listen to my musings about a particular topic. And uh, I'm here in my office studio, which is an absolute wreck. You can hardly see any wood on the top of my desk. I'm so glad my producer, John Ray, can't see my desktop. And John Ray is in his very elaborate, very <laughs> neat studio there at Renaissance Bank in Alpharetta, Georgia, on Wimber Parkway. John, how are you? I'm great. It's all a question of where you got the camera pointed. <laughs> it is pointed away. It would be much, we're on Zoom, John and I, and you can't see us, which is a blessing for you. But uh, unfortunately, I can see John. If I hold my hand just right, though, I don't really have to see him, so that's a good thing. <laughs> you know, John, people should have seen the intro when the music was playing. What you were doing, I may, I'm be preserve that video. You were trying to blow my eardrums out with that great. <laughs> riff by steve watson that i use for my intro thank you steve Watson. thank you steve um, it's awesome so john you uh you having a good summer yeah and uh the weather's gotten cooler which is great yeah. and I think that's the drop in barometric pressure that comes along with an oncoming hurricane though, yeah i know and unfortunately you're right and uh we're battening down the hatches here in georgia so Hurricane Ian, if you're listening to this some off time, if it's not September 28th, 2022, where you are now, Hurricane Ian is barreling down on the east, the west coast of Florida, where I was supposed to be next week for a nice week of rest and relaxation, right? If you look where the hurricane's coming on land, that dot, that little hurricane symbol is right on top of the house I was supposed to be in Monday. And so we're not going there. We're going to upstate New York, which will be incredible. And I'm looking forward to that. But the weather has been good. And I know, John, you've been enjoying the life of luxury and that kind of thing. So that's great. <laughs> I'm that's just awesome. I'm just glad you're a physician and not a vacation planner. That's all yes. I can say. <laughs> yes. My, this was my <laughs> wife's idea. i make that very clear. Oh, It was her idea. We've been planning for nine months to go to Anna Maria Island and look what's there instead of us. Um, I've been starting most of these podcasts for the last year and a half, I guess now with a COVID update and raise your hand. If you're sick to death of COVID, okay, just throw a hand up. There you go. Everybody I'm sure has their hand up, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the newest booster vaccine that's available. Uh, it is a very good vaccine. So like all the others, it's incredibly safe. It's not going to give you any long-term anything, uh, it does have protein from this new, these new variants, the BA4, BA5 Omicron variant, and it's going to help fight off infection from these variants, which seem to be staying around longer than things like Delta did and some of the others as we make our way through the Greek alphabet, and they'll have to come back around probably. But it is a very good idea, and I would recommend that you have that vaccine in your arsenal of vaccinations that you should be getting. Um, also, 
it's time for a flu shot. October is flu shot month, in my opinion. If you have the opportunity to get the COVID vaccine and the flu shot, you can get them together at the same time without any problem at all. Moderna, I've been told, has been working on a flu vaccine combo with COVID. And if they call it, by the way, in case anybody finds out, if they call it Flovid, they owe me money because I came up with Flovid about a year and a half ago. So if you find it, they're calling it Flovid, let me know. We're going to all get rich. So if you do have a chance to get both of those vaccines, please do. October is the time for a flu shot, and anytime you can get it, it's the time for a COVID booster. I don't know what the sequence is going to be or the calendar is going to look like for COVID boosters moving forward. It feels like we ought to be getting towards a time where it's going to be a yearly thing, but we're learning new stuff every day, uh, which a lot of patients refer to as changing our mind, but it's called learning which is what we're doing. So please get that vaccine and the flu shot as well. While I'm talking about vaccines, if you haven't had a shingles vaccine, the new shingles vaccine is very effective, very safe, uh, a very good vaccine. It's two shots uh, now and two to six months from now, and then you're done and you're not going to get a bad case of shingles. And that's, believe me, worth avoiding if you can. So, John, did I cover it? You did, and thank you. And uh, a big yes to that shingles vaccine. You do not want shingles. Trust me, yes. I, yes. I I can talk about that personally. That's right. You do not. I'm not going to mention the other things you can talk about personally because. Personal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, there's HIPAA, bad. That's right. There is. <laughs> I need a producer. It's not my patient. Um, all right. I'm going to talk today about uh, conditions that arise from basically excess stomach acid and an unhappy environment in your stomach. Uh, talking about indigestion, what people call GERD or acid reflux, and peptic ulcer disease. When you hear people say, I have an ulcer, uh, majority of people say they have an ulcer, probably in, in honesty don't have an ulcer. But if they really do, it's usually what's called a peptic ulcer, which means it's an ulcer in the stomach. But a lot of times people start with what's basically indigestion. And the medical term for indigestion is dyspepsia. It's a very common condition, and it happens when your body has trouble digesting food. Uh, the GI tract is a group of organs that plays into this. It's the esophagus, stomach, small intestine, large intestine. And anybody can get indigestion, and you can get it just now and then, or you can get it as an ongoing problem where it's pretty much persistent and you deal with it most days. The symptoms and the causes of indigestion vary tremendously. If there's no identifiable cause for indigestion, which is a lot of people with indigestion, it's referred to as functional dyspepsia. Uh, another term for it is probably idiopathic, which in medicine means a shrug of the shoulders. It means we don't know why you have it. Stuff happens, basically. But the symptoms associated with indigestion are in large part symptoms that are associated with acid reflux, and peptic ulcer disease. So there's a lot of overlap here. But you can have pain, uh, discomfort, a burning feeling in your chest or stomach, a lot of belching or burping, bloating. I couldn't tell you how many times a week I see people who are bloating, uh, a gurgling in, in the stomach. And everybody knows that you've heard people say they have uh, 
hunger sounds in their stomach when their stomach is growling, sort of. And then there's where the person across the room can hear it, and that's called borborygmy. Borborygmy. It's one of my favorite names there. Borborygmy. I'm going to start calling you that, John. You're making that up. Borborygmy. I'm not, really. And then, of course, acid reflux, where reflux, where acid rather moves up into the esophagus, which is not protected like the stomach is, and it can hurt. Most people have had some version of that in, the, in their lives. And then you can also have nausea and vomiting if it gets bad enough. So if you're, if you have these kinds of symptoms and if they persist for more than a couple of weeks, you should see a doctor or talk to a doctor. If you have more severe symptoms like shortness of breath, trouble swallowing, uh, persistent vomiting, ever throwing up blood, sudden pain in the chest, arm, neck, jaw, that kind of thing. Or if you have thick black or bloody stools, you should seek some help with a healthcare professional. And that seems that it would go without saying on a lot of those things, but that's not always the case because we're dealing with people and they don't always make the smartest decisions healthcare wise. So if you're having significant symptoms, don't blow it off to just being indigestion or reflux or something like that. Cause it could be something significant. If it's not, then you get some peace of mind. If it is, then you get some care and either way you win. So it's a good idea. So the main causes of indigestion when there is an identifiable cause is certain foods. Some people, it's spicy, fatty foods. Some people, it's foods with a lot of acid or fiber. And it's funny because people talk all the time to me about how tomato acid bothers them. And, oh, it's the acid in the tomatoes. Ooh, my stomach can't handle that acid in the tomatoes. Well, the acid your stomach produces is battery acid. And it's a heck of a lot stronger than the acid in a tomato. Now, tomatoes and red sauces and that kind of thing frequently give people trouble, but it's not because that acid is too strong for your stomach. It's because of the other things that acid does to your stomach and to the functioning of your stomach. Other causes are things like eating too late in the day can make you feel horrible at night when you're laying in bed. And most, most everybody in my circle of friends at least has done that because I run around in the circle of friends that eats too much late at night. If you have too much alcohol, too much caffeine, these things can do it. Certain medications, certainly smoking, man, smoking is a huge cause of acid problems, indigestion problems, and even ulcer disease. It can be a tremendous problem. If you're not sleeping well, then nothing in your body is really going to work well. And one of the first things that happens is you don't move things through your GI tract like you should, and you can end up with an awful lot of these symptoms. Now, if you have trouble with your GI tract, with your uh, alimentary system, if you will, then you can have a lot of other problems. You can have, as I mentioned, acid reflux and, and that sort of thing, but also irritable bowel syndrome. I would refer you back to the podcast on IBS about a year ago. Uh, this affects your intestines. It can cause bloating and diarrhea, even constipation, sometimes alternating between one or the other. And it can also cause infections. Uh, I mean, it can be caused by infections. It can uh, be caused by a bacterial infection, a, a bacteria called Helicobacter pylori, H. pylori, can cause indigestion, can cause ulcer disease. And it's actually a fairly common cause of ulcer disease. And it's uh, a thing that can be best diagnosed with a biopsy when you have a, an upper endoscopy where they run a 
uh, flexible scope down your throat and into your stomach and small intestine. They can take a biopsy and see if you have this bacterial infection fairly easily treated if you do have it uh, and you can be done with it. So it's an important thing to look into if you're having that kind of trouble. You can also have gastroparesis. This is a condition that severely affects your digestion. The muscles in your GI tract don't work as well as they should. Food can move too slowly or even stop moving through your GI tract. And this can give an awful lot of stomach pain and nausea and even vomiting and uh, acid reflux, that sort of thing, can be really, really uncomfortable. And then ulcers, which is an actual sore, a, a, a raw spot. If you think about what road rash looks like when you've fallen and skint your leg, uh, it looks like that only on the inside of your stomach. And then you've got your stomach acid, which is hitting that raw spot, which is now not protected by like the stomach usually is. And so you can have an awful lot of pain and discomfort from that. And you, of course, can have stomach cancer, which can give you abdominal pain. And if you have unrelenting abdominal pain, you absolutely need to follow up and be examined, be tested, get scoped, if you will, to see that you don't have anything like this going on. Now, indigestion itself is diagnosed usually in the office. It's not something that typically takes uh, an endoscopy, the camera on the end of the flexible tube I was talking about, uh, to be looked to look down in your esophagus and stomach to make the diagnosis of indigestion. Uh, if you have that, the typical symptoms are those that I mentioned, and really you can treat that with alterations in diet. You can treat it with avoiding caffeine and avoiding things that might be aggravating you. But also you can treat it with things like Prilosec over-the-counter. And usually if you do that for a week or 10 days and maybe as long as two weeks, the problem will be gone for some period of time. Now it might recur, but it'll usually be gone for a while. Now, if you have acid reflux, then probably you're going to have to take something on a more ongoing basis because acid reflux is a condition where the acid, like I mentioned, the battery acid that your stomach makes, moves upward instead of down, and it moves upward into the esophagus, the swallowing tube, and it's very uncomfortable. And most people know that as heartburn, but it's just a burning sensation, sometimes a grabbing, cramping sensation under the breastbone that is typically improved if you eat and uh, take antacids and that kind of thing. And you can also treat that with Prilosec and other medicines like it. But it's more of an ongoing problem. So I think your best bet in that situation is not to use the over-the-counter medicines, but to see your doctor and see about getting a prescription that will be cheaper and probably more effective and better for you in the long run because you do not want untreated long-term uh, acid irritating the bottom of your esophagus because it can have uh, really terrible consequences if you don't do something about that. So that's the main thing for acid reflux. And I tell patients all the time, the main things that make you have these problems are nicotine, alcohol, caffeine, and stress. And everybody has that. And then to a lesser degree, fatty foods, peppermint, and chocolate. So nicotine, alcohol, caffeine, stress, fatty foods, peppermint, and chocolate. Those are the things you can start pairing away if you're having trouble and see if you find one that is giving you trouble. And maybe if you stop it, you feel better. And I can promise you if you're smoking, that's the number one thing. 
because you've got to stop smoking. You absolutely have to stop smoking if you're going to have any of these symptoms get better. It is the number one thing by far that causes this. And the thing I didn't mention is anti-inflammatory medicines. Uh, they are notorious for causing these kinds of problems. So if you're taking anti-inflammatories and you're having this kind of thing, you want to moderate that as best you can. I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that Mara Family Medicine is now Village Medical. We are just so excited to be part of Village Medical. It was a thing that happened New Year's Eve two years ago. It'll be two years, New Year's Eve. And the best thing I can tell you about Village Medical and this change is that if you are an elderly patient or a patient who has been in the hospital recently, you're going to notice a distinct difference in the care and the follow-up that occurs as part of Village Medical than it ever would as, as Mara Family Medicine or any independent practice because of purely resources. The resources available uh, through Village Medical for people who are uh, sick and infirmed or who are trying to not go back into the hospital, who are trying to stay healthy, are absolutely incredible. For our Medicare population, for the first time in my 37-year career, we are trying, we are actually making strides to keep people healthy instead of just putting out fires when they occur, instead of just treating illnesses as they occur. We are preventing illness. We're preventing hospitalization. We're having better outcomes and for preventing bad outcomes. It's just phenomenal. And it's because of the resources that Village Medical has to offer. So if you have questions about that, please ask us about it when you're in the office. And if you're looking for a primary care uh, practitioner, I would encourage you to look for a village medical practice. They are um, not widespread here in Georgia yet. We're one of the few on the north side of Atlanta. Uh, there's a practice in Stone Mountain, but then you get down south of Atlanta and there are a few more, and they're uh, really growing and adding more and more. And I tell you, the care that you're going to get there is going to surprise you. So getting back to acid and stomachs, the thing that happens if you have untreated stomach acid that is not being uh, negated by the protective layer on your stomach. Now, the way that works is and everybody a lot of times wonders, well, if acid is so bad on my esophagus, why didn't they burn my stomach? Your stomach has a protective chemical layer along the mucosa that protects it from that acid. It's almost like a, a force field, if you will that protects that acid and keeps that acid from getting to the actual mucosa on your stomach, the actual lining of your stomach. And that protective layer is primarily a prostaglandin, which is a type of chemical. Ironically, a different type of prostaglandin is what causes joint swelling and inflammation and pain when you have arthritis. So when you take an anti-inflammatory, it, knocks out that prostaglandin that's causing the problem in your joint. And it can also decrease to a degree the prostaglandin's effectiveness in your stomach. So now it's keeping your stomach lining from being protected and your stomach acid is always there anyway. And so now your stomach lining is unprotected and that acid can irritate the stomach lining and cause gastritis or even peptic ulcer disease. The area just at the, just past the stomach, just if you go from the esophagus into the stomach, you go through the stomach, through the pylorus, 
which is the opening at the far end of the stomach that allows food to make its way into the beginning of the small intestine, which is called the duodenum. And then if you have an ulcer, like we're describing, usually it's right in that area and the lining gets damaged because of the acid and it can be uh, a very painful thing. It can cause backup of food and liquid. It can cause nausea and vomiting. It can cause bleeding. It can cause a lot of problems. It takes a few minutes to a few hours for the pain in your stomach to go away. It will usually come and go for days or weeks at a time, and it'll burn more typically between meals and at night. Food in your stomach will buffer out the acid to a great degree, and so that makes them not be so uncomfortable. But then when that food leaves the stomach, the acid's there unabated, and it can make that ulcer hurt even more. Now, you can have little small ulcers that might not give you a lot of symptoms, but if you have one of a reasonable size, and reasonable size, we're probably talking a half centimeter, or which is about a quarter inch, or larger, those would probably give you symptoms. But you can also have a feeling of fullness. Like I said, it can keep food from moving through your stomach like it should, so you're a little bit bloated or feel fuller than normal. Um, other symptoms might be uh, difficulty drinking as much liquid as usual for the same reason. And you might feel an empty feeling in your stomach even after you eat. You can have certainly nausea, and a lot of people have nausea and vomiting with this. And the pain can even wake you up in the night. Now, pain with ulcer disease is typically, like I mentioned, uh, right where the pylorus is, which is really right at the bottom of your rib cage. If you feel your rib cage, there's the sternum, of course, and where it ends, right below where it ends is typically where this pain is. And the pain will most often radiate into your back. And sometimes if you do eat, uh, if it's bad enough, then there'll be so much spasm there that you'll end up throwing up when you eat. So if you're having anything like this, it's very important to know that. I mentioned the anti-inflammatory medicines. That's one of the main causes of actual ulcer disease along with the infection by this H. pylori bacteria. I think H. pylori was discovered, I'm pretty sure it was discovered after I started practicing. Back back in the old days, and it kills me that I practiced back in the old days, but I definitely did. We didn't have that diagnosis and that knowledge. And then when it first came out, there was a long list of things you had to take. It's still, I think, triple drug therapy to treat it, but... It was a long list of things, one of the main ones of which was Pepto-Bismol. And ironically, one of the things we tell patients is, now watch for dark stools. If you start getting black stools, you know, it might mean your ulcer's bleeding. Well, if you take Pepto-Bismol, it gives you really, really, really black stools. So remember that if you're taking Pepto and you have black stools. But it's one of the things they used to use for the H. pylori. And now they've refined that some, but I think Pepto is still included in some of the treatments. The anti-inflammatory medicines, those are available very easily right over the counter. Aspirin, ibuprofen, and naproxen, which is a leaf, and even aspirin. These are all things that will knock out that chemical layer and make you more prone to ulcer disease. Uh, ulcers can also be caused by uh, cancerous tumors. Some stomach ulcers, quote-unquote, are cancerous. Now, it's not common, but it happens, and it happens enough for you to be darn sure whether or not you do or don't have that sort of problem. 
And there's a thing called Zollinger-Ellison syndrome, which is one that I've never seen in clinical practice, but it's a condition where your body produces a hormone called gastrin at too high a level. And gastrin makes you make stomach acids. If you have too much of one, you have too much of the other. And it can be completely uncontrollable with uh, any real means other than surgery. So if you do have symptoms of peptic ulcer disease, then you've got the same, same symptoms as indigestion and acid reflux and this unrelenting abdominal pain. And so you're going to end up needing to see a specialist, a gastroenterologist. They'll take a flexible endoscope. It's a lot like the power cord to your computer. It's a little bit bigger than that and flexible just like that. And they knock you out with some propofol, which is the best nap you'll ever have. And they run that scope down in your stomach and look around and they can tell you within about 10 minutes of starting whether or not you have any sort of problem. And they can even treat problems. If you have an ulcer that's bleeding, they can cauterize it while they're there. Uh, they can take a biopsy looking for H. pylori and so forth. And so it's a very simple, easy thing. It's a lot like a colonoscopy is basically the same type of scope. I tell patients all the time, you can get them both done the same day. Just be sure they use a different scope. And if they don't, you'll know when you wake up because you have horrible breath. But now, John, you're not laughing at that. And that was funny. Come on, man. <laughs> but if you do have an EGD, an endo upper endoscopy, it's called. The great thing is you don't have to do a prep like you do for a colonoscopy. You just show up with nothing to eat. They scope you and you go home. And it's wonderful as far as finding out what's going on. It's quick. It's easy. It's safe. It's a fantastic procedure, and it is one that you would need if you had this sort of pain. Now, if you look at the ads on television for Prilosec OTC, you'll see that they say not to take for more than two weeks without, uh, without consulting. Actually, it says not to take for more than two weeks, period. And what that means is without consulting a physician. If you have acid reflux, you can take Prilosec OTC long-term if it does a good job for you. But you don't want to just take it and make the assumption that that's what's going on. You want to consult with a professional and ask them, do you think this is what's going on? And is this a safe alternative for me? Because if, if you're having certain symptoms, they will absolutely tell you you should get scoped and be certain what's going on because you do want to know. Now, the Prilosec OTC is one of basically three groups of medicines that we have uh, for treating this kind of thing, four if you include liquid antacids, we'll include antacids, and not just liquid, but Tums, Maalox, Mylanta, those things. They inactivate the acid in your stomach that's already been produced. After they had those, they came out with Tagamet, Zantac, Pepsid, uh, Asifex. These medicines are medicines that inhibit a histamine receptor in your stomach, so you make less stomach acid. And then after that, they came out with Prilosec, Prevacid, Protonics, Dexalant, Nexium, medicines like this that inhibit what's called a proton pump in your stomach lining that pumps out acid into your stomach. And so those are the main different ways that you can stop acid from bothering your stomach. The other thing that can be used for stomach pain like this is not a medicine that inactivates the acid, but it's a medicine called sucralfate. The brand name was Carafate. And it's basically like a Band-Aid. It finds irritated areas in your stomach, and it basically sticks to it just like a Band-Aid. So you can, if you have an ulcer or something, you can take this sucralfate, and it will stick to that ulcer so that acid and food and other things won't 
irritate that area as they pass through there. And I said, and other things, and I'm, I'm sitting here trying to think of what other things there would be. I guess liquid and acid and food. That's pretty much it, isn't it, John? That's yeah. about all there is that's going to go through there. It's not like you got a tennis ball going to hit that thing. <laughs> and bop, you know. But anyway, the, the sucrophate sticks to that, and it does a fantastic job. Uh, some people get it in liquid, some in a pill, but nonetheless, uh, it's very good for that. My uh, golden doodle took it in a liquid form not too long ago for his stomach works very well. So those are the main things that, that you would use to treat the problem. When I started practicing, one of the main treatments for this was surgery. They would go in and do surgery and cut the nerves that go to your stomach, the major produced stomach acid and all this stuff. And it's just ridiculous how much that has changed over all these years. Of course, it's been a long time. I know that. But nonetheless, it has changed dramatically. And I don't remember the last time I heard of anyone ever having the surgery that's out there for this kind of thing. If you have ulcers, most of them heal within a couple of months. You take the medicine for that period of time. And after that, you make moderations in the things you were doing that made this happen, whether it was medications or whatever it might have been, smoking and so forth. And then with any luck at all, you don't have this recur. But if it does, I can promise you that you're going to seek help sooner because you're going to go, oh, I know what this was. I had this back in 2022. I am not going through that again. I'm going back to see Dr. Morris sooner rather than later. Although if it's more than 10 years from now, hopefully you'll be seeing Dr. Kendrigan and not Dr. Morris. And John, that's what I got on peptic ulcer disease and acid as it relates to the stomach. Well, you know, you had me there until you started talking about giving up chocolate. And then I'm, I tuned out. <laughs> I noticed, I wasn't sure if you were asleep, if you were just no, not wanting to hear it. You said, you said, giving up chocolate and i'm like forget yeah. this man i'm not <laughs> so so well let's let's i mean let's talk about the the differences here because i think you've got um several different um conditions that can get confused right i mean you can get confused on like what's what's what right absolutely and so that's where you got Go see Dr. Morrow instead of Dr. Google, right? Please. <laughs> Absolutely true. Yeah. Absolutely true. Uh, the, the variation in symptoms, I mean, you might have peptic ulcer disease and only have very limited symptoms, but if they persist, hopefully that will tell you to go see somebody and get that checked out. It's, it's all, it all goes back to what I tell people every day. Don't ever say the five most dangerous words in the English language, which are, Maybe it will go away. And if you don't say that, then I think the odds are tremendous that you're going to do well. But just because you don't, you're not throwing up blood or something like that, don't think you don't have anything going on. Go ask the question. Let somebody sit with you and talk about it and see what you might need to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the, I guess what's the tipping point though, when someone should go to the doctor, I mean, what, you know, um, because you're, you're not suggesting at the first moment of no, the first no. burp, I know you're not saying right. that, right? A couple of weeks. <laughs> if you have symptoms that last more than a couple of weeks, mm -hmm. or if symptoms get severe enough that you get concerned before that, mm -hmm. go see somebody. Got and it. I think most people that start getting symptoms like this would in fact make changes to their lifestyle and the things they're doing, thinking, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And if you do something like that and it stops, that's great. But if you deal with symptoms like this for more than a couple of weeks, 
you'll always be glad you went and asked that question. So is there another doctor there at Village Medical that will tell me I don't have to give up chocolate? No. Oh, okay. But you don't have to give it up I, if you're not having stomach trouble. Okay. I'm just, I'm just kidding you. Yeah. Well, you can't see anybody else anyway. That's a rule. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, 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 that's a rule in your office. Like, that you're not, you're not going to subject anybody else to me, right? So, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, now this is good. This is really good stuff because, uh, you know, I think a lot of people may see the, and hopefully they've gotten this far in the episode. Some people may see the title of this episode and think, well, this doesn't really apply to me, but it applies to a lot more people than it would, you would think, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Terrific. Well, very true. Very true. Good stuff. All right. Well, hopefully Hurricane Ian will not totally destroy Anna Maria Island, and I'll be able to get down there at some point. But uh, if you're in Florida, we're praying for you. If you have people in Florida, we're praying for them. Um, but for now, John, I guess that's to your health. 